0: The ASCAL Business Brunch.
1: Hello and welcome to ASCAL's Business Brunch podcast. My name's Hayley Dunn and I'm ASCAL's Business Leadership Specialist. I'm Louise Hatswell and I'm ASCAL's Conditions of Employment
2: Specialist. And I am Julia Harden and I'm ASCAL's Funding Specialist
1: and a warm welcome to everybody joining us today we know that that lots of you are really enjoying listening to our podcast and we've got some interesting topics for you again today so one of the the things that we've hosted recently for members was uh, one of our business leadership network meetings and we had a really fascinating discussion as part of that meeting this time um, around professional recognition because professional recognition means different things to different people and i think it means different things to us individually at different points in our career and we had some really insightful conversations with with business leaders who were at all different points of their career talking about what it meant to them and, and what their thinking was on it and what we need to do as a profession as a sector and within our schools and colleges as well to, to develop that and I think some of the topics you you'd expect i mean we've had a lot of conversations over the years around job titles and and what those mean, and we've also had conversations around pay and conditions, remuneration packages, and how much that varies and it's It's one of those things that that Ake feel really strongly about in in making sure that our business leaders are are properly recognized properly remunerated and and where they're working with a whole school responsibility that that you're part of a leadership team and that you're appropriately remunerated and doing that the tasks that are commensurate with that sort of post so louise would be really interested on your reflections and and some of the conversations that you've been having around this
0: yeah i think uh, the uh, the zoom chat was really quite typical of of the conversations that we've had over the the recent months um lots of concern I, I think you've got you've got that mix between the people that actually feel quite well remunerated for the roles and responsibilities that they hold and those that uh, that don't and sadly you know i've tried to to do something about it and come up against those those blockers and barriers that we often see which can be through local authorities for maintained schools where some of those pay scales for the njc uh, pay scales are kept uh, and the job evaluation, you know, that was quite out of date, uh, doesn't really reflect some of those roles, uh, and they've not been successful in getting uh, those jobs reevaluated. So one of the things that I do is support members with that is to put a really robust um, business case together uh, to demonstrate the rationale for the uh, increased salary. And and as you said, Hayley, it's 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 in recognition of if you've got a, a member of staff that sits on the leadership team, has got whole school responsibilities and those strategic responsibilities for say finance, HR, health and safety, IT, they are whole school strategic responsibilities. And, uh, you know, why there would be any difference to their salary for someone who's sitting on that senior leadership team as an assistant head or a deputy head, uh, you know, it, it's it's quite baffling really at times to understand that, isn't it? So, um, you know, our, our principle is that if those roles do hold those strategic uh, whole school responsibilities then it's quite easy to align those to your where that sits in your leadership team structure for your p- uh, particular establishment uh, and align those to where they are with an assistant head or a deputy head or in between and then you know the NJC pay scales are there you can look at the appropriate salary that fits uh, in line with the teacher uh, leadership scale uh, and you can put a job description together and a job evaluation uh, process together to support that And one of the concerns often is uh, equal pay claims, which could come from other schools within local authorities and things like that. So that's where the business case is really important. So you've got that rationale as to why it's appropriate for that uh, member staff to be paid on that salary in that particular school um academies obviously have got some more freedoms than local authorities and we often see that uh, business leaders in academies actually are remunerated uh more appropriately and i think that's because some of those multi-academy trusts have actually developed as as time's gone on they've developed their own pay scales and their own ways of grading things uh, and they you know they've got the option to do that more easily than an individual perhaps primary school within a local authority uh, and just leading into that, uh, the NJC published on Friday their uh, first response to the uh, pay claim for support staff. Uh, they've offered a 1.5% pay award, but also one of the um, conditions claims uh, that the joint union submitted was for a review of job descriptions, the route for career progression, and also the pay bandings for sc- staffing, uh, schools support staff in schools. Uh, And unfortunately, the NJC initially at the Employees Organisation have rejected that element of the uh, conditions claim. I'm sure the support staff unions will be pushing hard for that to be reconsidered. But interestingly, the response, the reason for rejecting that is that they say that these matters are entirely for local determination. And so, you know, to support our business manager and business leader members in the meantime, our Askal guidance uh, that Haley, you and I put together, does support um, business leaders through that. Also, head teachers and governors, if they're wanting to to go through that process on behalf of their school business leader, it uh, does support them through that process and doing that on a local, more individual basis.
1: I think that's really important louise as well and and the guidance that that we 've put together is is to help business leaders in those conversations, but it 's also really important that it 's there for governors and head teachers as well and I think we'd encourage that if there aren't any business leaders listening that would like our support and, and they want to have that conversation with their their head teacher and to to help them through that guidance that 's something that we can absolutely do because we do recognize that for some head teachers i think it can feel like a really brave move, can't it, to sort of feel like you're sticking your head above the parapet about what's happening in your local area and wanting to do something a little bit differently? Because it's not always something that people are comfortable talking about, that other head teachers or other business leaders, you don't tend to go to meetings and say, Oh, what do you get paid? It's just, I think, as a being uh, British is just something we just don't talk about is it it's just something people aren't comfortable with but it's something that that we can help people with because it it, I I can understand why people feel aggrieved by it and 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 not feel like that they've got that equity with their with their SLT colleagues if if they don't feel that they're being paid a fair wage for a fair job and I, I think that's something that we can we can help with.
0: Absolutely, and I think um, you know it's it's also important to remember that some some local authorities have absolutely got this nailed. You know they've got the appropriate pay scales in place, and their business leaders are paid appropriately. It's just there are some, um, you know, and it's things like they may say that there's not a pay scale available. It may not be available to the schools immediately, but you know somewhere within the local authority will be a pay a pay scale that does uh, include the salaries that are needed. It's just that it doesn't fit in with the processes that are there at the moment, so it may take a little bit of work. Um, you know and the equal pay claims can be quite daunting sometimes I thought of that if that's something as a head teacher you don't feel that you want to push strongly against that's where that robust business case needs to be there so you've got the evidence you know we've got some an example of somebody if you're the largest primary school in the local authority where is an equal pay claim going to come from you know if your school's almost as big as some secondary schools actually there's a really clear rationale there for that decision so it's just about having that support and the, and giving the confidence to, to make those decisions and know that they're the right decisions for the school and the right decisions for your staffing, uh, you know, and that you've got that, uh, ultimately that decision does sit with the governing body in those maintained schools, so... If the head teacher and the governing body feel it's the right thing to do and they've taken all the va- advice, they've considered it, they don't need to act on that advice, then you know they just need to, as with any other financial decision in the school, just ensure there's clearly documented, minuted, and uh, approved at governors and, and the appropriate committee.
1: I think, that is, I think breaking down some of those barriers and, and I was doing a little bit of a, a paper research last week looking at um, some of the sort of more recent adverts that are out there, but particularly focusing on um, the chief financial officer roles. Because I feel from my involvement of um, being in the stakeholder group that that consults on the Academy's financial handbook, there is more of a clearer def- definition within government guidance on what that's, that role looks like. And it was really interesting to see that academies are using those freedoms and looking at the remuneration packages on offer. Academies are thinking about whether they can offer part-time flexible working or whether they are asking their finance officers to be on site, but they're, but they're really thinking about that. And also looking at the packages that are on offer, I, I felt that the the sort of the salary levels were the sort of commensurate sort of levels that you would expect where people are advertising and looking for a qualified accountant who's got a level six or level seven qualification, who's got a whole trust responsibility for finance and the the operations of the finance. That some, some organizations, like you say, have really got hold of this and are really doing it properly. And I think we can help perhaps some of those groups where it's not happening and to sort of help them along the way and but I think as well not to think that this isn't a quick process I wonder from your experience Louise it's not like you go to one meeting of a governor's meeting and this is all sorted it might take a little bit of time to review that job description to have those conversations with the local authority but over time you can get to to, to a point that all parties feel comfortable with. Yeah absolutely and I think it's it starts really generally initially with that
0: having the confidence to have that chat with your head teacher, you know, to broach that subject. Because it's quite a difficult subject, like you say, you know, it's one of those things you rarely ask for something for yourself. You ask for something for everybody else and you budget for everything for everybody else. But it's really difficult to start that conversation for yourself. And when you, quite often, the business leader reports directly to the head, there is no option but to have that conversation with the head. And, you know, once you've done that, then it's bringing in the governors and getting that conversation further. And then you've got the local authorities. Actually, it's quite a really long, drawn-out process, or it can be. Uh, and that's why I think it's really, really helpful to get the, the things clear in your mind. Uh, and one thing I would say, you know, based on previous experience, um, is don't try to put down other people in trying to say that you think you're worth more money. Don't be saying so-and-so shouldn't get paid as much as that or anything. It's all about your role, that role and the re- the level of responsibility. And I think that's one of the things we've spoke so often about in our uh, previous discussions about language, And it's about the responsibility, it's not necessarily about task, it's about responsibility and it's about leadership and strategic whole school responsibility and leadership. And I think that's where some of the job evaluations may go amiss because if people get into saying, I do this, I do this, I do this, not I'm responsible for you know, and and it's a strategic level, it's whole school. Some of those budgets are, you know, are really significant sizes, even for some large primary schools. They're significant whole school budgets. You know, you looked within the local authority at what might be a budget holder for a department. It would be nothing like that the school, you know, the school business leaders holding even in a primary school. So I think it's just worth looking at, you know, and and focusing on your role in your school. Uh, and why it should be paid at that amount and try not to look at any sort of negative uh, things that may be surrounding it, try and, fo- you know, just keep it focused, but just be really clear on those, you know, and have a look through some of the uh, deputy head and assistant head teachers and just see what the kind of wording is in there and look in the school teachers paying conditions document for where the pay setting arrangements are and just reflect some of those things. You know, the STPCD gives TLR1s, must be for sig- man- line management of a significant number of people, School business leaders tend to line manage probably most of the most people in the school, you know, they tend to manage line manage or be responsible for most of the support staff. So it's just about, you know, little nuances like that that really can help.
1: I think that's really great advice louise and i think it's something that um it's, it's not a one-time fix that this is something we're going to keep talking about and that we're going to keep helping with so those are some really useful tips for, for people who might want to, to be looking at that now or in the immediate future and always get in touch um with our ask or hotline if if you'd like to, to have a more detailed conversation uh, with us about that and julia bringing you in on the conversation i think uh, that announcement on friday a really important announcement and, and just how how should business leaders be reflecting that in some of their uh, budget assumptions should they be changing should they be sticking with what they've got be really interested to hear your thoughts on that
2: yeah thanks Hayley uh, yes yeah, so um, we're heavily into budget setting and budget forecasting season at the moment so um, local authority maintained schools will be I would imagine the majority, whilst they'll have looked at their one-year budget, the second and third-year budget planning uh, exercise that they're doing will probably be still uh, very much an ongoing discussion. And for for the academy sector, uh, the budget forecast return um, guidance document um, is is now available, so you'll be you'll be getting heavily into that. So. The assumptions that you make and that you have to make in order to complete these documents include um, assumptions about staffing um, and costs. Um, and you know we, we heard on Friday the announcement that um, the NJC have proposed a one and a half percent pay award. Um, for njc staff uh, subject to NJC pay scales, but this is an opening negotiation in a way. I think well it's a response isn't it to, to a, a pay claim but um it's an opening negotiation and just thinking back on some of the com- some of the conversation about you know parity of of responsibility across uh, the leadership team a lot of business leaders and cfo's are now going to be you know sitting down this morning thinking okay we made a set of assumptions or we'd started to make a set of assumptions based on this support staff pay maybe it may have been 0% maybe you know in line with what we you know the pay restraint for public sector pay now we've got this negotiation going on you know what should we be doing about this well all you what you can do um, is bring in other members of the leadership team and make proposals as to how you might model that in your budget. But be aware that it, it, it is a negotiation and we're not quite sure where it's going to go at, at the moment. So um, and just thinking, of, you know, again, on, on this sort of parity of, of responsibility and leadership, be really clear that as the business leader, it is your responsibility perhaps to bring this discussion to the table and flag the the latest announcement but don't confuse that with the burden of responsibility that you have got to be able to say this is what's going to happen because you can't because we don't know yet because there's there's a negotiation going on but I think it's it, it really is a perfect example of, of of some of the uh the things that, that Louise was talking about and, and Heidi you you too so um Best advice is is always you can only plan on the best information available to you at the time. The best information available to us now on support staff pay is that a proposal of one and a half percent from April 21 has been made. So if it were me, I would be looking at the implications of that, modelling that um, and looking at the implications of, okay. so if this is this is what this is going to cost us in this year. Where might we need to make adjustments elsewhere through the year in order, in order to, to um, bring our budget into balance? Um, and of course, we will keep uh, members updated with, with any of those negotiations. But ha- And have a look at our budget um, information paper, three-year budget information paper, because we will update that um, as, as, as far as we can. Um, so that's, that's something, in fact, I've already had a conversation with a member this morning um, about that. But there are a couple of other sort of common themes, if I may sort of move on to talk about that now with, with the budget planning, um, within the budget planning scenario. Um, and, and probably, the, you know, the next most frequently asked question is around pay and pension grants, um, particularly for um, early years and post sixteen. Um, and it's a, it's a really good question, and I completely understand where why people are, are, are still, you know, thinking. I'm not quite sure how how this is going to play out. But what we know is that historic pay and pension grants um, for early years and post sixteen um, institutions, where they are eligible for those grants, they will continue into the next financial year. So that's twenty two twenty three. So as well as twenty one twenty two into twenty two twenty three, but. The difference is that those grants will continue, certainly in the next year, to sit outside the core funding. So for early years, you would, should still see that as um, as a separate grant, and the same for post sixteen. So we hit, we see sometimes that there's concerns that it's being withdrawn. It isn't. It's just going to appear still as a separate grant and not come through your core funding. So hopefully that's that's um, added a little bit of reassurance there. The other thing that um, again, understandably, um, members are are concerned about at the moment is the PE in sports grant, which is payable uh, to the primary phases. Because uh, we've recently found out that uh, last year's PE in sports grant can be carried forward and you have to use it by the end of this year. So that's July 21. But you will need to make sure that you've got something on your website that explains how you've used it. but what we're not sure about yet is uh, what the PM pension grant would look like for the academic year, 21-22, because that tends to follow the academic year. Um, and again, it, it's, a, it's a tricky one, but we, this grant is only ever announced on an annual basis. So we wouldn't normally know what was going to happen in the next academic year at this point in time. Um, And it's got an added complication this year, of course, that it will be um, part of the autumn 21 spending review. So I think, again, if you're looking at forward planning, the sensible thing to do is to say we don't know that we're going to get it in year two and three of our three year budget planning. But let's look at what would happen if we did. And what would happen if we didn't? So that when the confirmation comes in, so when the information starts to be confirmed, you're in a much better position to know which direction that's going to take you in. Um, Not having the final um, confirmation is not a reason to not do forward budget planning.
1: I think that's really great advice, Julia. I mean, as, as you know, I'm a, a governor of a maintained primary school and we've been working on finalising our budget. Uh, we were pretty sorted with our one year budget, but we've been looking at our three year budgeting plan. And it's like you say, it's trying to make the, the sort of the best assumptions that you can with the information that you've got now. And, and it's really difficult to make that, particularly the year three and forward, make it look reasonable when there's so many known unknowns like you say we're in a we're in a one-year spending Mm. review at the moment there's particular information around the grants and we can only do what we can can do and and i have to say our our business manager is absolutely fantastic and is is doing that sort of scenario planning but i very much hope that she feels from her the slt and from us as governors that she feels supported that we're we're there to help make those Mm-hmm. the decision making and to make those assumptions. And that she doesn't feel like she's doing it alone. I, w- I would feel horrified if she if she did, because we're there to support her and we're there to support the, the school and, and there are so many things that that are changeable. And Just really interesting picking up um, around the the NJC announcement. Was there anything else in there that we should be thinking about, Louise? Uh, they did
0: ask for some other things, things, uh, a reduction in the working week to 35 hours with no loss of pay, which was also rejected. Um, they are looking at uh, reviewing the provisions in the Green Book for maternity and paternity and shared parental leave and adoption leave. And also, um, they're looking at completing um, something that was done through the term time only working group. I think that got part way through the work um, and they're looking at completing the outstanding work of that. So, um, some of the things they reject, are some they've accepted. Now, what happens on the next stage of negotiations as to whether any there's any movement on those? Um, it's just like Julia said, it's a matter to wait and be seen. Really, uh, you know, we've seen that pay offers have increased in previous years. So, whether the pay offer will increase or whether you know they'll come to some compromise and put some of the other conditions, um claims in, in place instead, because some of those aren't as costly as, as a pay award. Some of those things can be facilitated without a great deal of additional costs. So it may be that they can, you know, they can look at
1: instigating some of those. Brilliant. Thanks, Louise. It's, it's really interesting. And it's really interesting to see, to see some of those areas that they're looking at, because I, I think some of those sort of the topics that you were talking about there, so that sort of feeding into flexible working, I think that's something that you've been been looking at. Is there anything that you can share with us on that?
0: Yeah, uh, and
1: for the business leaders conference that's taken place know, in a couple very of weeks
0: uh, that we're all really excited about, um, I'm going to be doing um, a workshop webinar with uh, Sarah Ford, our director of policy, deputy director of policy. I'm really excited about that. So we're going to be looking at um, what the kind of what the past twelve to eighteen months of. of brought about, you know, flexible working's changed. I think everybody's had a, a taste of flexible working in some form or another. Some of it, you know, chosen, some of it enforced. But actually there there are some, you know, some real positives that we can look look at. Uh, but there's quite a bit of research now that's coming out about different options and things that you know employers need to be aware of. So we're going to start and look at some of those. We're also going to look at the education staff wellbeing charter that's just been uh, published, um, I think it was last week or the week before, from the DFE. Uh, and part of that is around flexible working and championing flexible working so we'll be looking at some of that as well but just looking at some strategies and some kind of creative ways that you can actually implement flexible working that maybe aren't what people would normally people tend to see it as certain things you know there's actually a whole range of things that you can implement to do with flexible working and actually it can make a real difference it's it's it can be a really great recruitment and retention tool. Um, and particularly helps you know with you look at the gender pay gap it particularly helps with recruiting and retaining women particularly when they're impacted by maybe wanting part-time work when they return from maternity leave things like that so it really helps with the um, inclusion inclusions uh, equality and diversity for for employers as well so we need going to look at all sorts of exciting things.
1: Oh, I can't wait to, to listen to that and I, I know both you and Sarah are so knowledgeable that that's just going to be a fantastic session but i think it's something for for business leaders that i think if i was still a business leader i'd be thinking about it for for myself and and what did i want for my working and my career and my future but also that sort of whole school and whole trust um piece as well what's it going to look like and what's work going to look like Uh, there seems to be so much change and if you look at what's happening out there in, in industry there's some really big decisions being made around the way that people are working whether it's that people are going to only go back into the office two days a week or two days a month um whether people are only going to get together for, for team meetings and i think recognizing that schools and colleges are very very different in the organization and the uh, the, the the service and the support that they deliver but doesn't mean shouldn't be having these conversations because it's 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 if there's one thing to come out of the, the, the learning lessons from COVID, it's what can we do differently and, and how can we improve life and living and, and work for, for, for all of us and for all of our futures. And I, I cannot wait for the Business Leaders Conference. I'm really looking forward to it. We're very much going with a forward-thinking being theme. We've got Natasha Devon, who you might know off LBC Radio, but also as a, a very outspoken advocate for, for mental health and well being. And I'm really interested to see what what she's going to be sharing with us, but also sort of the
2: technical updates. And uh, Julia, you're coming along. What are you going to be doing? Thanks, Haley. Yes, I'm very excited about this. And I think I think the theme ignite. I think it, I think it's a brilliant idea. It's exactly what we need at this point, coming out of COVID, and as you say, looking forward. So um, I'm going to be looking at and I'm hoping to get lots of engagement, lots of discussion going to help um, uh, business leaders plan for the future and to understand the the importance of uh, being proactive in thinking about things like organisational culture and how that might relate to Big changes that you may want to uh, to um, introduce, such as uh, pooling of uh, funds. So, gag pooling is is a is the term we use. But I'd like I like to think uh, about it more as you know an opportunity to share best practice across the group of schools that you are either working with now, or you might be thinking of joining a trust or expanding a trust. And just to give uh, say business leaders the the voice. Um, for them to take part in those conversations again going back to you know the professional recognition there is it's absolutely essential that um, that the that our colleagues are involved in these in these conversations because they require input from a, a broad range of skills and experience that within the stakeholder groups um, across schools so whether you know you 're a maintained school at the moment or whether you 're an academy school, there will be something for you to think about um, and take away and i'll also i 'll do some updates because um, that 's always useful to hear you know the the, the most recent um, thoughts ideas and, and um announcements so we'll do a bit of that as well but hoping for lots of discussion so
1: i know i love it when you get when you get a workshop and you get lots of interaction i, I really like it when you get lots of questions because it just makes for a much richer conversation rather than especially when you're doing it virtually it's so it's so different in one way it's fantastic because we're opening up we've got it the, the conference is over four days we can put sessions on at different times of the day but then uh, completely recognising that people are busy so you can watch what you want to watch live or you can come back and watch it on record. But it's getting that... That sort of live conversation going is is absolutely fantastic and we may we're in the planning stages we may do a business brunch live but watch this space for, for whether we are able to do that that would be very very exciting um, yeah, well, but we'll also have a, you we know that business leaders really like li- listening to our general secretary jeff barton so he will be coming along and then we're going to have lots of different technical updates and i think for some of you, you might be feeling with the recent policy announcements, you might be feeling a little bit unsettled with the announcements around more academies, around mergers and, and acquisitions. You might be feeling that that now is a bit of a time where you're feeling a little bit unsettled or you're thinking about your career direction. And I think some of these conversations that we're having could, will really help you on that, that journey. So if, if it does um, in the future that, that you're subject to a merger, that, that you're you're really on it in terms of your technical knowledge and in terms of, like Julia was just talking there about gag pooling, if that's something that the trust you're working for decides to go forward with, that you can have a really informed discussion around some of these, these areas. But also that you're doing it in a way that's protecting yourself as well. I think well-being, mental health is so, so important. And I think how we develop I think one of the most important things that we can develop as a leader and I talk about this in some of the workshop training that I've done is around the barriers the relationships and what you're willing to accept I think is is absolutely vital as you develop yourself as a professional it's taken me a long time to build that up but I am really clear about what I am willing to accept and what I'm not and I don't think now I've got to say yes to everything to, to give some recognition to my role. I know what I'm good at, I know what I'm not good at, and I know when I need to rely on colleagues or or, or somebody, somebody else. But I think developing that as a as a business leader in a profession that is developing all the time. One of the things that came out of the network meeting that we had was talking about primary business leadership. And I should absolutely know this as because I was a primary business leader myself, about how new the role is in primary schools that before that there's there'd been business leaders in uh, secondary schools in independent schools one of the the delegates was saying about how clear so there's so much clarity around independent schools and what a bursa does and the standing that they have is really clear but in say primary schools it's a much much newer role and when when I became a a business leader it was the first time that that school had had a business leader so that that role and that function is still developing and I, and I think it, that was a really good reminder for me that that was something that that I'd probably forgotten um but needed to be reminded of and we are developing as a as a profession and um I think we're all on that journey together wouldn't you agree
2: absolutely absolutely right yeah, yeah. and and it's a really good time I think to be involved um, it, it, in any sector, a time of sort of innovation and and when you can you you really can make a difference because you are part of that development
1: absolutely business leaders are part absolutely. of the answer aren't they they're they're part absolutely. of the, the the future that there's something that schools and trusts are always going to to need because they bring such a wonderful diversity into the leadership team we, we, we t- don't tend to have come from from teaching and curriculum backgrounds um and we just we think a different way and and i think that that's wonderful that we do i agree and i think you know our business leaders have shown out that they, they can survive and thrive over the last
0: 12 to 18 months you know what's the next 12 months mm-hmm. going to bring what can they do you know what they're going to pull out of
1: the bag this time completely agree and i think that's an absolutely wonderful note sure. to, to to end on thank you so much for joining us and we'll be back soon
2: The Askell
0: Business Brunch.